sweet is scent. You count to ten. You've got them running for their life. Dumb Republicans in all the years. No one knows just how hard you worked. But now it shows. Fake news proponent, it's all on the line. Your dumb opponent canceled in time. But time is short. You really hate them. So many dumb hicks. You must educate them. The tweet is sent. You count to ten. You've got them running for their life. Brainworms, Jen Rubin. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Oh, what a glorious entry. I, I can say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that is the finest one shining moment that has ever been sung. Truly the voice of an angel, folks. I mean, that is, that, that's the way you wrap up hack madness. That's doing it justice. The people demanded it. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, just, I'm just happy to be able to deliver for the minions. You know, I, I think, you know, we operate under the Huey Long rules of podcasting. And that is every listener is a king. That's right. And when the listeners demand one shining moment, um, I, I'm happy to deliver. Absolutely, you sang, and I felt like I, I felt like I played like like a like a Simon and Garfunkel role here in penning the. Uh, yeah, and, that's and right. Lyrics by Josh Holmes. And, and you, you know, just, you for the Grammy nomination committee. Really delivered. Holmes was the auteur, a the visionary. <laughs> um, you know, really, really a visionary for the entire entire direction of this operation. I'm merely his muse well no let me just say an artist is only as good as his instruments and, there you go and this instrument is brilliant it's beautiful. brilliant <laughs> it's beautiful it has a a rich tone i mean what's not to love a timber, i'm telling you a tender, a tender. next next year it better be a sweep of the grammys 100 percent, every category I don't know what awards we're up for. Like, I don't know who gives awards for podcasts, but if they have them, they should give them all of all of them. Every last podcasts. one. Yeah, every one of them. Every one of them. So we we should jump right into the reason for the season, folks. Hack Madness has concluded. We had like a half half a million votes cast, uh, and incredible, and an absolute nail biter in the finish for for the championship, ladies and gentlemen. Your 2021 champion. It's Jen Rubin. Jen Rubin. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, a close match, a, a, a very close match. And I, and I have to give a shout out to Red Steez, who made a late charge for Cuomo. Um, it just wasn't enough. I mean, it was, it was a very close battle, um, you know, 50.2 to 49.8. She put it all on the line. You know, you can't argue with with a champion who has, you know, every single day has put out the takes, the brain worm takes to deliver. Well, that's the thing is, you know, there were so many different stories in this entire field where, you know, you, you had to wonder how some of these folks would perform in the absence of Trump. Like you saw Acosta, Acosta fades early. His yep. entire career is defined by trying to just get attention off of Trump. And, and, he, and you know, there's nothing left in the tank. A sign of the times, out. a sign of the times for sure. And I would say there's a, it was a proxy battle a little bit. You mentioned Steez behind Cuomo. Steez last year was behind Stelter. That's right. And Ben Dominich was behind uh, Ruben. And she, she, he got beat. This time Ben got behind again, Jen Ruben, and, and she won. And I, I got to say, I felt like the online activism, the whipping of votes that was happening behind this was really pretty impressive. I mean, there was some fascinating, someone, someone brought up, uh, Duncan, you saw the tweet, right? Of uh, Steez is out there ballot harvesting. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the late, the late absentee ballots are coming in for Ruben. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was something. So we had like 20,000 votes cast in that one matchup. 
and the difference was 78. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. That's I just incredible. got I, I just gotta say it. And look, I I, I I hate I hate to bring up the pod bros, but you know, I mean they put they put together a bracket um basically stealing our idea for hack madness and then absolute knockoff march March badness tournament i mean the lamest shit you'd ever fucking heard and and these people were obama's speech writers the best they can come up with is march badness completely unoriginal and our final had more votes than their entire tournament Did they even count (laughs) like i don't even you listen to the garbage i couldn't even turn it on but apparently they had like it was politicians and like of course Mitch McConnell won their March Badness tournament, but th- didn't they just decide amongst them, or do they have a vote for it? And 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 therein lies, I mean, a total difference of philosophy between our two podcasts, right? Because their tournament was, you know, I mean, Tommy Vitor is the MC, and one of the Johnnies or the Tommies or the Timmies or whoever, <laughs> you know, has to vote. One of the Timmy's and Tommy's and Johnny's votes, and then another Timmy, Tommy, Johnny votes, <laughs> and whoever they vote for goes forward in the podcast or in, in, in the bracket. And, and you know, but us, what we do is we put it to the people. Bingo. That's right. We, we, we say, here is our bracket, you decide. And the minions are so strong. God, I just love every day of more respect and more reverence for the minion. The the memes that were out there. It was the, incredible. The campaigning the amongst each other from the very beginning. You know, if you look at this bracket, there are a few teams that came together that had a special 2021, you know, and they sh- they went deeper than they probably ever would just because of the circumstances. I put Cuomo in that category. Cleaver clearly Weaverman is in that category. Bill Crystal might be here to stay. I feel like he's positioned himself to, to be a multi-year contender. I, I, I think Aaron Rupar has staying power. Yeah. I think uh, Taylor Lorenz, although she sort of underperformed her, her seating this time, has some staying power. I, you know, I mean, look, I mean, we are in a post-Trump world right now. For You know, Acosta is a perfect example, as you mentioned, Smug. It's like, where are these people going to find their niche in this new world, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of disruption. It's going to be interesting. My prediction is that a year from now, you're going to see a lot of these Lincoln Project clowns fall off. Yeah, They're, they don't have the staying power. You're going to see you're going to see a lot of journalists have a quote journalists have a hard time calibrating yeah. because they're used to just if they used to write a headline if it had the word Trump, they know they're getting clicks now. They have no idea what to do. You've got Stelter who just is like clinging to Trump, who will just be like, so today it rained. So you know what happened when 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 Trump was president and it rained? Trump did this. Like, it's gotten really sad. It's like, you know, jilted ex-girlfriend can't let go situation. <laughs> Stelter. I mean, it's 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 tough. Like, I, I think potato. just how embarrassing he is, is, is it gets attention. But I'm really curious what his strategy is going to be going forward. But the potato is so strong, Smug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean no one doubts the potato. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I also just... I, I want to give a shout out on uh, to Canine Defense League on Twitter, who who made all these brackets. And uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, uh, he's going to drop a one shining moment video that he put together of all the contenders. So also be on the lookout for that. Uh, the minions, your efforts are always appreciated. Totally. And they just make this competition. It is just, it, it literally is my favorite thing. I think it's so hilarious. And, and there's begrudging respect amongst serious journalists. Mm-hmm. It, you know what I mean? They're like, and I even have, I have a couple of, of people on this who are actually friends who made the bracket and uh, they think it's hilarious too. Right. They think it's funny too. And I, I just, as much that we can put into the development over a year of who gets seated, like who's making a run. We'll do that through King of the Hill and everything else. God, I love it. And this community is just the most powerful force on the internet. I have to say it. It's like, yeah, I mean, half a million votes in this tournament is incredible. But think about all the good we've done. We raised $10,000 for Feeding America, you know, just just on the strength of, of this podcast and Twitter in our, our good friend Matthew Foldy, who we need to get on the pod. We gotta get him on soon. Well, he's got that hair. He's getting that haircut, and then he'll 
Only after only after we get his haircut, he's allowed on the pod. Are you taking but, him to Truman's? You know, I'm figuring it out. Uh, New York isn't in the best shape right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to take Foldy up there for a haircut. And he doesn't make it back. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of problems. He's like, yeah, no, we're taking him to Truman's. No problem. He get raises ten grand. Smug's like, what? Truman? No, I didn't. I don't remember anything about that. You know what I think, Smug? I I, I think what you got to do is we got to get a stylist to come in to your place and cut his hair live on the pod. I I'd, think, be, I'd be down I, for that. I think that's the only way to I'd do I'd be down this. for that. Is there any way that he, well, maybe we'll just sandbag him on it and they'll shave male pattern baldness into it? <laughs> he hit the 10K. We, we, we can't do that to Foldy now. We said nothing about, well, he did say it was professional. But we didn't oh, that's a good what, point. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'll leave it up to the professional. I just want, I just want to get some stages. Like, I, I, I want to do it, like, get the fade on the side and preserve the mullet take a picture, then cut the rest. I feel like that's fair. No, that's good. That's a, that, I mean, it's a thoughtful way of handling it, I think. I think so. But hats off again to him for getting it done and raising 10K. I mean, a lovely- And, and that's another reminder, folks. So Feeding America, wonderful charity. They support food pantries across the country. So many Americans, especially during COVID, have been, I mean, we don't need to tell you about the hardships out there. And especially at the food pantries, they've been saying a majority of the folks who have been visiting for help, this is the first time they've ever needed any sort of assistance. It's, it, you know, uh, the job losses, the, the absolute trauma out there has, been, has cut very deep. And Feeding America, for every dollar donated, they provide 10 meals. It's, so that's just unbelievable. One of the most rewarding things about the program is that you can not only have fun, you can laugh, you can make fun of stuff, and you can talk about serious issues that you should be engaged upon, but you also do some good in the process. And I, I just hats off to the minions for engaging in that and, and actually making that charity work because uh, it's really rewarding. I mean, from my standpoint, that's the best thing we've done. Absolutely. So we have a very, very exciting show today. Who do we have on Holmes? Well, let's just start with a sponsor. We got a sponsor WinRed is sponsoring this. Um, they've been a, a longtime supporter and wanted to sponsor a program. It happens to be at a very good time uh, because we're going to talk about some issues. They've been a victim of fake news. It's been uh, happening a lot to conservatives lately, right? It's been happening. We'll explain. We're going to break this down, break it down so you understand completely why this is happening. And then we have the best, I mean, just an absolute all-star interview with Senator John Kennedy. Yeah. Just a stud. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I even need to say anything to intro him. The man needs no one to speak for him. He's a man of a thousand quips. I'm, I'm excited. He finally got a chance to get on the show. I was thinking about trying to get in there and like give him some Southern colloquialisms to get him warmed up. But I was like, I'm just going to get crushed. And you'll love the interview. God, the guy's so good. He's just, he's the best interview in DC and he proves it again on this program. So outstanding. So let's start. Let's, let's start get right into it. Yeah, let's start with the win red. So you'll recall that all of January, there was a campaign by the media to try to suggest that the Republican Party was basically done for because corporate America had decided they were no longer contributing to Republicans because of, of the election, because of the disagreement over certifying the electors, all that in corporate America by, you know, I think soup to nuts decided that they were going to make a woke statement and say, you know, we're no longer contributing. Whatever you think of that, fine. The media took that to say, like, that's the end of the Republican Party. If they're, they're not supported by corporate America, then then they're done. Right. And then over the preceding, preceding six weeks, they found out the Republican Party is not funded by corporate America at all. Right. That it's actually funded by small dollar donors across the country. So this is a real problem. And the corporate media is looking around and trying to figure out, all right, we got to take a next step to figure out how to cut these guys off. And if you look at the FEC report, it's very clear. There is the vast majority. It's probably up around 80 percent of the funding for the Republican Party comes from small dollar donors. And the processor is WinRed. So you got to attack WinRed. Yep. Right? So enter the New York Times. Faithful partisans over at the New York Times. Yeah. 
Who'd have thought? Yeah. They decide they're going to write an expose. And the theory of the case behind them is they're going to attack internet marketing, which, by the way, is the way that internet marketing has worked for the last 15 years. They attack all of the methods of internet marketing that has been offered by Act Blue, the Democratic side, for the last 15 years. But because when Red did it, they're going to attribute it to Win Red, right? Well, I mean, before anything, that's something I really, really want to get into that just proves what a bunch of garbage this is, is Act Blue for 15 years has, has used internet marketing, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the same techniques to, to help get uh, candidates to raise money. For 15 years, they've been at it. Win Red has existed for what, like one year? Yeah. And boom. The New York Times is attacking them. All of a sudden, now they have a problem with internet marketing. It's, it's just weird. In, in the past 15 years, they didn't care when Act Blue did it. It's kind of weird. It's like, is there some sort of a bias here, folks? And you got to read like 17 or 18 paragraphs down in this story, which is an attack primarily on the Trump campaign. The, the, the story was the Trump campaign basically deceives voters with reoccurring donations and and whatnot. And I wanna I wanna talk about this and I wanna bring Duncan in on it because it's very specific marketing that has been going on for decades that Democrats have actually specialized in. And the first time that Republicans ever get on the playing field, all of a sudden now it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, and look, I <clears throat> I think what Winred did for Republican politics is level the playing field. Un 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 undoubtedly. Um, what we've we've done with WinRed is we've given Republican candidates an opportunity to raise money online at the sort of scale that's never existed before. And, you know, like Holmes said, it's like in January, every corporation and every media outfit across the country was saying, oh, we can't give money to Republicans anymore. And now they want to cut us off at the knees with small dollar donors. And. You know, small dollar donors are the lifeblood of politics. And yep. that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's yep. what we should want. Yep. And and, and now uh, the media wants to stop that because they know that's the only way to stop everything we want to accomplish. And it, 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 what's so galling about it. So I know a lot about this because um, I have some history with it. I actually showed up at the end of the 2018 election on, upon direction of Addison Mitchell McConnell, the then uh, majority leader of the Senate, now Republican leader of the Senate, to say, how do we fix this problem? Can you get together with you know the folks at the Congressional Committee, the Senatorial Committee, the RNC, and the White House to see if you can figure out a way to set vendor uh, interests aside? Basically, can you figure out how to convince people that their own bottom line is not as important here than the collective interest of the party. Can we set it aside and get on the same platform and actually reduce prices for candidates in fundraising and provide a, a platform with integrity that can actually assure your, you know, average donor that they're not donating to some scam pack. Yep. Right. And so I, I went to, you know, the NRSC, the NRCC, the RNC, White House, uh, Garrett Lansing at Win Red, and we kind of put our heads together and they came up with this really elegant solution that took literally months to negotiate because there's tons of legality, there's rate negotiations, there's all kinds of like very serious things to make sure that donors never get screwed. Because that's honestly, that was the directive. The directive is make sure that donors have faith in this process because Republican donors, unlike Democratic donors, are pretty astute. Yeah. Like they pay attention to this shit. Yeah. And so we went through all that, went through the contracts, delivered the product, ultimately WinRed, Garrett and WinRed that stood up. And, and solved the act blue problem. The huge deficits that we had were all of a sudden minimized. We're not there yet. We haven't, we haven't erased it, but we certainly mitigated 
the huge advantage that Democrats have by the invention of WinRed. So this right? is, you need to, uh, you know, for the audience, it's important that you get this like 30,000 foot view of what's going on here. So what the Dems have been able to establish with Act Blue is this nexus of the media, right? Where like Rachel Maddow can come on and she can say, oh, this Republican is bad. Oh, wow. Governor DeSantis, DeSantis is killing people. And Act Blue makes it so that it's super easy for, for her viewers, for Dems to just rage click and donate yep. because it makes it simple and you get your account and it's, it's actionable at a grassroots level. You can raise tons of money. So the media just like juices them up, gets them mad, and then they just hit the Act Blue button. And what they're terrified of is that now the Republicans have created their answer. Now there's a way for Republicans, you know, it doesn't matter if, if this is the first time you're running and, you know, you've, you don't have support among every local leader. This is the first time you've ever been involved in politics. If you run and you can show that uh, uh, you, you're filing all the legal paperwork, WinRed is going to help you donate. They'll give it an easy way for folks across the country to be able to give you a donation with one click. So, so the Dems are mad now that, oh, no, in the arms race, the Republicans have finally answered. Yeah, and, 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 and look, I believe in, in disintermediated politics. I believe in bringing politics to the people, and that's what WinRed does. The same reason that the media attacked Facebook after 2016 you know, Russian disinformation and yeah. this and the other thing. It's all bullshit. It's yeah. bullshit. Yep. What they hate is that people have access to information. People have power. Yes. The most, they're, mad. they're the so most, mad. Right. The most undemocratic people in politics is our corporate media. Yep. Period. Like, look what they did to the Hunter Biden story. They all banded together and blocked, now that we know for a fact it's true, information from the voters before an election. And they're okay with that because they want to maintain their like weak control on that information pipeline. They want to make sure that, hey, it's the New York Times, CNN, and Washington Post that tells the American people what to think, what's going on, and we have no competition. And this is the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, honestly, it's part of the reason why Ruthless exists, right? Is yeah. because we wanted to talk about, I mean, look, Democrats are all in league. It's, it's, as Duncan said, it's the corporate media that flacks the story, that puts it out there, that generates the outrage that ultimately results in act blue donations. We don't have that on the Republican side, right? Like Fox News, everybody, all the Democrats hate Fox News. Fox News talks about Fox News things, right? They, they deal with a lot of great content, but it's, it's not, they're not out there campaigning for Republicans. They're not flacking websites. I remember when Amy McGrath announced against Mitch McConnell, she had four hits on MSNBC on that day, starting with morning Joe, where morning Joe, Joe Scarborough himself asked her four separate occasions to give her website, the name of her website, how you spell it on his show in order for all the viewers of MSNBC to donate through Act Blue, like that—that's the way that Democratic politics work. Yep. Republicans don't operate that way, right? But we're going to refocus. Yeah, right. That—that that, the way that it's a part of their culture that when you see something and you get mad, they go to Act Blue. They hit the button, like the same way. Like I, I remember when I was watching uh, DeSantis on Tucker, I was like. See, the, the, the one difference between uh, when you see the hits on the Dem side is MSNBC host and the candidate are going to be flacking the donation. They're going to say, hey, visit this website if you're mad right now. Hit me with a donation. Let's fight this. We got to get that culture on our side. When I saw DeSantis on there, because that was an absolute hit piece. Yep. Absolute hit piece. And it's because they know they know he's in, he's in cycle. He's up for an election. That's why they're trying to do this. So the same way that they have created that kind of muscle memory on their side, we need it on our side where when they come after our folks, we can hit that win red button. That's right. That's right. So I think, look, I think the bottom line is, is that win red 
solve the act blue problem. They're in the crosshairs because the media has now figured out that we have a people powered motive behind all of this. And when they, when it came as a shock to all of them that we weren't corporate funded on the conservative side, right? They actually believe their own hype. Nobody read the FEC report, but they, I mean, you've here forever. Oh, it's the party of the rich. Oh, really? Really? Because 85% of the donations come from people who are contributing 50 bucks or less. I mean, it's just absolute nonsense. So now they have to attack this. I have faith in WinRed. I put my name behind it. I think we can continue to innovate and make sure that people have faith going forward. We can continue to lower rates. We can continue to make sure that people are are as well-served in terms of let on the target as possible through this operation. And do not let the corporate media try to convince you otherwise. I mean, that's, the, that's, their, that's their whole game right now, is, is they just want to smear and, and just hobble conservatives as much as possible. They don't want you online. They don't want you to have a voice. They don't want you to be able to help our candidates. They want you gone. And, and, and the corporations are with them. It's become very clear who, who, who's with the, the people and who's with the corporations. And the Dems do not want our grassroots people to be able to help in the cause. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> Go to Win Red. Go to Win Red. Go to Win Red and donate right now. Um, and and let's make the Republican Party less reluctant to stand up to these corporations because they don't want to have our interests at heart. And that's absolutely fine. Um, I think we should donate and make the Republican Party a people-powered movement to change America. Can I do, can I do two? I know we didn't, we didn't plan this, but can I do a couple of minutes? You can do whatever you want. Uh, Hold on. It's, it's Josh's birthday. Okay. It's Josh's birthday. So I will give him two minutes to do whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, that's just how generous, how generous. Listen, the corporate thing has become a real stick in my side because forever corporate America has given the left everything that they want in terms of you know statements and oh hat tips to the woke whatever and then relied on conservatives to to uphold a market-based economy that actually lifts people out of poverty and provides jobs and creates wealth in this country and they just take it for granted this group of crooks is they're so weak they're Mm -hmm. so weak that they have decided at this point in time that they're just going to avoid, try to avoid all pain. They don't give a shit about voting rights. They don't care about anything really, but they're, but the woke left has pressured them into issuing all kinds of statements about nothing that they know about. They don't know anything. I'll tell you what, I've spent a lot of time in this area, voting rights and, and campaign, uh, legislation is incredibly complicated but it is entirely you shouldn't be surprised to know that both sides try to implement things that advantage themselves over the other right so that's what democrats are doing that's what democrats are doing and they're they're the whole thing is a campaign to try to pass hr1 to try to give democrats the ability to go into low income uh uh, places in ballot harvest with people that they don't know that that aren't plugged into politics that decide that like hey just hand me give me your ballot i'm going to fill it out for you i'm going to compile all of them and i'm going to rush them to the polls that's one two no id at the polls no id right same day registration you could be registered in like five different counties right there's a whole bunch of problems there and it shouldn't this is an integrity issue that we've been dealing with. And corporate America, honestly, has weighed in to a point because they believe that you as a conservative will never push back, that the only pressure, the only pain that they can feel is from the woke movement. They never believe that a conservative will actually stand up and say, I'm not buying a Coke. They never believe that because, you know, we're sort of principled. We operate in a market-based economy. 
they're going to extort American democracy for $100 million by moving it out of Georgia. And my message to you is that we should disintermediate this entire process by donating on WinRed directly to Republicans who stand up to this bullshit. <laughs> there we go. Immediately. Immediately. They're going to take $100 million from working class people in Cobb County outside of Atlanta. And, and the only way that we, that we stop this is we say, we don't need these corporations. We don't need their PACs. We don't need their super PACs. We go to WinRed and we donate to the people and the politicians who will stand up to this nonsense. That's such a good message. And you know what? There, there's a way of doing it with a candidate fund. I haven't even looked into this. I don't know if anybody's doing it already. I'm going to check around. But there's a way of putting a candidate fund together where you can actually contribute to the Republican candidate fund mm. that, that ultimately the Republican nominee is the recipient of once they're the nominee. And we're going to look into that. We'll make sure that everybody that's listening gets that information. Look, there's going to be a lot of people that are trying to solicit contributions. What you can get from Ruthless is an absolute rock solid guarantee that this is an, an integrity based uh, candidate fund that ultimately will go to the nominee 100 percent. This has me hot. This has me really, really hot. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to put it together. And, and we will come back to you with how you can make your dollar go the furthest. I love it. I love it. Well, I didn't know this was going to go this direction, but it's, I, I think it's right. This, this just, it pisses me off. It really pisses me off that we have corporate media trying to cut us off at the knees when we're trying to raise money, grassroots money, you know, to power our politics. I thought this is what liberals cared about. Of course, all they care about is that the corporations side with them. They don't care That's about it. corporate media at all. They don't care about corporations at all. All they care about is that corporations side with them in politics. God, you're singing my song. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's complete bullshit. They say, oh, politics, you know, these corporations have too much influence in our politics. They don't fucking care. They don't care at all. They just want the corporations to agree with them. Listen, I love this. I, I love, love the, I, I love the based dad Duncan cameos they're always they always are a hit with the crowd and you should see his face is red <laughs> i swear to god man I, I i am i i am a very normal person i'm a, a nice person a polite person but this shit just gets me so fucking angry he's mad and i love it it's my favorite duncan really <laughs> you know you know what we should do now that we've we've helped to spell some of this fake news out there about win red we, we we should give the we should give the folks a fun segment with Senator Kennedy. Absolutely smug. This is a great interview. Let's go right to it. I want to welcome to the Ruthless Variety program a guy that we have pined to have on the program because he's the best interview in all of Washington, D.C. since the first moment he became a senator. Uh, senator John Kennedy of the great state of Louisiana. How are you, sir? I'm great, Josh. As I was telling you early, earlier, life is good. Without it, I'd be dead. So I'm happy, man. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like a happy man. You always bring a, uh, a glass half full uh, view of sometimes a, a pretty dark and desolate time. Well, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't hate anybody. And, and I really do try to, try to see grace uh, everywhere I look. Now, it's hard. That's challenging some days in Washington, D.C., um, I always tell folks when I'm, when I come back to Louisiana, you know, it, it's great to be back in America because Washington, <laughs> Washington DC is Washington DC. Um, um, you know, forget, forget Mars. We need to look for intelligence life in DC. Yeah, uh, it's fewer, fewer and further between these days. So one of the things that has been popping up that I think is driving yeah. a lot of discussion this week is Georgia and their voting reforms and the sort of manufactured outrage on the left trying to, to make this basically something that it's not and, and producing all kinds of, you know, fake news for, for uh, uh, I guess that's the term of art now. <laughs> yeah. What do you make of yeah. all of this? Well, I, I get the part that my Democratic friends are playing. Um, I mean, that's all purely political. Uh, they want to pass their bill 
Pelosi's bill, voting bill, I think it's H.R. 1, which takes everything that went wrong in the last presidential election and makes it the law. Um, So they're going to, you know, I get get their political angle. Uh, What I don't get is the reaction of Major League Baseball and many members of our business community. I think any fair-minded person would take a look at what Georgia did and say, whether you agree or disagree, it was an honest effort to try to, to give people confidence in our electoral system, which is important. Yep. Yeah. Um, you, you can't have a peaceful transfer of power w- without people having confidence that the election was legitimate. And, and I'm, I don't want to go into the last election, whether, you know, that it was legitimate or not. What I'm talking about is perception. And this was an honest effort, particularly when you compare the end result to the voting laws in other states. This was an honest effort to try to get it right and to return to having an election day instead of an election month. And and I think that's a pretty balanced view. I get where the Democrats are coming from. um, But I don't, I I mean, let's take Major League Baseball. I don't know the commissioner, and he's entitled to his opinion. But here he's in charge of Major League Baseball, which used to be America's favorite pastime. We know they're slipping in terms of their popularity. Football, I think it would be fair to say, is the most popular sport in America. Uh, so he's, he's trying to grow fans. Yeah. How does he do, do it? He alienates half of America, for God's sake. <laughs> and he, it doesn't and seem he like a great business by, by, by basically saying Major League Baseball is now going to be a blue sport. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a special kind of stupid. It in is, my opinion. It is. Well, here's what I don't understand, because it's spread far beyond this p- particular baseball commissioner. It seems to be kind of the new operating theory within corporate America is basically you take whatever the woke agenda is pushing, you get bullied and backed into a corner and you just sort of, without facts, adopt basically everything that they're saying. And this has been, I mean, over and over. We saw it with all the tech companies over yeah. the summer. We, we saw now, you know, with this, this Georgia Voting Rights Corporation's coming. What's going on with corporate America? I don't know. I think they're making a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, I, I think if, if these CEOs held an hour or two long press conference and, say, and said, you know, I, I've read the bill, uh, whether it's a, a proposal in Congress or a proposal in the state legislature. Let's discuss it. Uh, here are the pros, here are the cons, here's what I like, here's what I don't like. And I've really thought about this. And on behalf of my company, I'm taking this position. Yeah. I'm not sure I would, would agree with that approach because that, the CEO's position is, is to maximize uh, profit for his or her shareholders. But I would respect that, but, but too many CEOs are, are just, they're, they're, they're taking these knee jerk, um, not thought through positions. It's just like they're getting up, they're reading what the Bolshevik uh, woke left is telling them, and then they're saying it. And I don't, I don't see the higher justice or the wisdom in that. I don't see that's help, how that's helping their shareholders. And if their response is, well, I just, I don't just have an obligation to my shareholders. I have an obligation to stakeholders, to the world as at large. Uh, that's, that's fine, but I don't want that person as the CEO of a company I'm going to invest in. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, no kidding. I mean, and, and, and I thought at first, Josh, I, I said, well, you know, trying not to be too cynical. These CEOs are doing this because they think it's going to protect them from, from, uh, from President Biden and Pelosi and Schumer. But if you believe that, I mean, I'm sorry. You, you, you know, you, 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 when your IQ gets to 75, you ought to sell. That's not going 
to protect them. And indeed, it hasn't. I mean, Biden has just proposed the largest right. uh, corporate tax increase in the history of ever. Well, that's see, that's the thing that's most confounding to me is at some level, basically, you can reduce their argument to Republican arg- Republican position on on voting rights bills is racist. But please, Republicans, help my business by protecting me from the Biden administration. And I just don't understand. At, at some point, as a as a senator, when you look at these folks who are just making incendiary claims, basically about you and your office and and Republican Party writ large, but then they expect you because of your ideological proclivities to sort of protect their business model. I mean, that's got to be getting hard to swallow. Yeah, and and it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, punish them or protect them. I'm going to call it like I see it. Yep. And, and, and I think that's the way most senators are. And the idea, if, if this is their idea, that somehow they can curry favor with uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez to, uh, so that she will leave them alone, you know, um, they're dreaming. They're right. tripping. <laughs> that's, just not gonna, that's just not going to happen, and it's, and it's not realistic. Now, what, what could be going on, and I hope it's not going on, but um, we, we clearly have a managerial elite in this country. And by that, I mean the entrenched politicians, uh, the bureaucracy, certain members of the media, many members of the media, academics, and corporate phonies. And these people think that they are smarter and more virtuous than, than working Americans. They do. Yep, they do. And, and they think that uh, they, they look down on middle America and they think that we're all a bunch of deplorables. I mean, you can express it in different ways. And there are many, there are many uh, people, not just in politics like that. Uh, right. And that's part of what the American people are reacting to. I mean, a lot's been made about why Trump became president. I think, I think Trump became president for two reasons. Number one, uh, people voted for him as, as an insult to the managerial elite. I mean, that's how much people hated Washington, D.C. And oh, yeah. the second people, reason people voted for President Trump, if you notice, he never talks down to people. Right. He doesn't. And he doesn't act like he is better than them. And that's what people are so fed up with, in my opinion. And, and these CEOs and the Major League Baseball commissioner and all of these folks, you know, they may have a summer home with a long driveway, but that doesn't make them uh, uh, the recipient or the, or the, or the uh, reservoir of all truth. No there, there's, a, there's an old adage. I, I think, I forget who said it. I think it was a, a Polish uh, politician, I don't remember, but, but he said, he was a very smart guy. He said, seek out um, or, or, or keep the company, he said, of those who seek the truth. Run from those who say they found it. <laughs> and these CEOs, they, they like, we're, we're, we, we already know the truth and y'all ought to shut up and listen to us. And I, I don't think that's the American way. Oh my gosh, really well said. Um, I want to hit another issue. You were down at the border a couple weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago. Um, obviously a terrible situation down there. What do you make of what's happening? Well, uh, thousands of people flooding in, into the country. We were, the border's 1,900 miles long. We were in a, I think a 56 mile stretch. Uh, in a 24 hour period, 3,000 people came in. And they're now in the country. Uh, I think I think it's clear that President Biden plans. He believes in open borders, and he plans on adding two to three million people this year to America uh, through illegal immigration. And th- these aren't just folks coming from the Northern Triangle countries or from Mexico. Uh, I talked to probably fifty Border Patrol agents. A number of them told me that something like 50, as best they could count, people from 55 different countries had come through. 
Wow. And this is, this is dangerous. It's expensive. Most, not all, but many of these folks are going to join welfare. Um, it, it, it puts downward pressure on wages and it unreservedly undermines legal immigration. Yeah, no question about it. But, yeah, I, re- but I, re- I mean, if you're, if you're serious, look, I, I like Vice President Harris. I served on judiciary with her. But as I said the other day, I mean, she believes in open borders. Put, putting her in charge uh, of illegal immigration is like, like making El Chapo the drug czar. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, she believes in, 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 in open borders. So why are you going to put her in charge? And I think they just believe in open borders. Well, they also, they also apparently believe that nobody listens to what they say, right? Because you had Vice President Harris, President Biden on the campaign trail last year. Every time they were asked about their border policies would essentially say, you know, we don't have one. It's, it's wide open. Do you want to provide health care for illegal immigrants? All hands go up. Yeah. I mean, clearly people were listening to that. And now we're dealing with the ramifications of all of it at the border on, on the backs of the American taxpayer. Well, look, look, um, I, I think that President Biden is doing this intentionally. I think he thought he would get a pass mm-hmm. from most members of the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a huge mistake when they told he told them that they couldn't go take a look. Yeah. That's when a lot of the members of the Democratic media turned on him. Uh, but when somebody acts like they don't care, sometimes it's not an act. Yeah. And, and I don't think, I think the president doesn't care about the folks coming in. Because if he did, he could just go pick the directory of Border Patrol agents and pick one at random and ask them what they ought, we ought to do. And every, he'll tell you, because I talked to a bunch of them. They'll tell you, just go back to doing what we were doing in December and, Mr. President Biden, uh, eliminate your, or, your moratorium on deportations. Incredible. It's that simple. Yeah, it's really simple. It's really not complicated. And, you know, they either believe in open borders uh, or the guy or gal he Biden has in charge of, of immigration policy is not qualified to manage a hot dog stand. And I don't <laughs> think it's the latter. I think they just believe in open borders. <laughs> hot, st- hot dog stand notwithstanding. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, one thing that I've noticed lately, um, I lived through the 2009 all democratic government in the Senate and um, it took us a while to get back on our feet politically. Yeah. Um, and I look out now at the work you all are doing, staying unified, um, and really drawing sharp contrasts. And I feel like the Renaissance has started earlier. I feel like there's more energy on the conservative side building back here, um, than there was even in in 2009 when ultimately we had this huge comeback. Does it feel like that to you? Yes, but it's early. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you know, Josh, the, the, uh, the, the, the Senate is a very interesting place. The most interesting people I've, I've been around, I think, um, big egos, yeah. uh, probably two thirds believe in God. The other third think they are God. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Republicans are a little bit different than Democrats. We are more politically entrepreneurial. That's a polite way of saying we've got some free range chickens that kind of wander <laughs> off on their own. And it's harder for us to achieve unanimity than it is for the Democrats. Yeah. It just is. I, I, um, but I think we've held together pretty well. And it's because so many of the policies so far in the first hundred days of the Biden administration are just grotesque. Yeah. They're obscene. That's not a personal comment about about the president. I'm talking about his policies. Right. I, I mean, he is not the way he's acting. He's not left of center. He's left of Lenin. <laughs> and 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 it's it's and I don't think the American people are 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 going to be kind to his policies in 2022. I just don't. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. To you. I, I think they're doing a lot of work for us, but I, I think you guys are doing a lot of good work under the dome too. Um, I've got to get to three questions for you, Senator, that I'm sincerely interested in. First, I ask you a question first. Oh, you, shoot. Yeah. Give me your best guess of what McConnell's blood pressure is. <laughs> I think it's about, I think it's 80 over 40. Okay. Every now and then, this is the calmest guy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I think that's probably a pretty good analysis. And, and, and he's a hundred percent Fox, you know, <laughs> he just kind of sits there. And I just, this guy is fascinating to me. I know you used to work for him. Yeah. And that's why I asked. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking his, his, I think his blood pressure is 80 over 40. And I think he's one of these guys that, that he's, he controls his breathing so he can never show emotion. <laughs> That's, that is some astute analysis. I remember just a quick story. When I first became his chief of staff, I was yeah. walking with him and we had this big, gosh, I don't know, it must have been like a fiscal cliff or something because every camera in America was following us around with the boom mics and all that nonsense as he was walking through the halls. And we walked into that elevator by the whip's office, you know, the, the small one. And yeah. they had boom mics all in there and everybody was, you know, sort of shouting at him. And it seemed like endless, right? I'm a press guy. And I'm uncomfortable with silences anyway. So I'm standing there. I want to jump like anywhere, but right there. I'm going crazy. <laughs> and they're yelling questions at him. And he just stands there and not a muscle is moving yep. in his face. He's just staring right at him. Finally, they pull the boom mics out after what seemed like an eternity. And he gets this like wry half grin and turns yep. and says to me, it gets a lot easier when you don't care what they, what they think of you. <laughs> Him, well, he, he, he got mad at me one time. I was new, and we were having a controversy about something. We were in the majority. But when I said this, I wasn't thinking of Mitch. Some member of the press a asked me about all the chaos, and, and she said, what do you think? And I said, well, if the American people are watching that, they're wondering how any of us made it to the birth canal. <laughs> and the, ne and the, next, the next time I saw Mitch, he said, John... I obviously made it through the birth canal. I said, Mitch, I wasn't talking about you. Don't be so sensitive. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> anyway, well, what were your questions? Okay, all right. What so were your here, questions? So here, the, the first question, these are very revealing. Your last meal on earth, Senator Kennedy, what would it be? Well, first I would ask for an extra one more meal. Because yeah, right. I, you right. know, but if but if I had to, they said no, this is it. It would probably be Popeye's fried chicken. I love fried chicken. Popeye's fried chicken is the best fried chicken God ever put breath in. <laughs> uh, I haven't eaten it in about twenty years because um, it's not great for your heart. But I would get Popeye's fried chicken, a side order of dirty rice, probably some onion rings, and about six of their biscuits. I love that. That's a great order. And you thought that through that there's, there's a number on the biscuits too, which is really yeah. important. And then I would, I would go into a food coma. <laughs> well, you only got one day left, right? So I've only got one day left. left. That's right. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Second question. If you weren't involved in politics, what would you be doing with your life? Um, I would, I would, I would, I would practice law, but I wouldn't, do it like I used to do it. I wouldn't do it 80 hours a week. Um, I would uh, I would teach. I used to teach uh, law school at LSU. I missed that. Mm -hmm. I would spend some time substitute teaching. I've been a substitute teacher, a volunteer substitute in our public schools since 2002. I didn't know that. I do it about three times a year. I would oh. do that. Uh, I like to read. And I read a lot. Of, uh, of, of things in my, in my day job, but when I'm relaxing, I like to read fiction. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would try my hand at being a, 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 a book critic. Huh. Um, and, and I would eat Popeye's fried chicken. And you, yeah, the whole time. I love it. The whole time. <laughs> All right, final question. This one's very revealing, Senator. Okay. What, what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And the way to think about it is like the it. agony of defeat guy is like Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. He, 
he's, he's motivated entirely by this just hatred of losing, right? And then the other side is, is you know, just the thrill of victory, you know, the moments and the thrill of victory, and that's what, what drives you. Well, you, you know, I, I think what drives me, aside from the effort, is the thrill of victory. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. Um, I, I'm, nobody likes to fail. Right. But, 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 but I will tell you, there's an old Chinese proverb, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Okay. Um, I, I've lost my share of elections. I've won my share. I've learned a lot more from losing. I'm not scared to, to, to lose. When I was younger, I used to be. I'm not anymore. By victory, here's what I mean. Look, I like being a senator. I've never been one of these politicians that says, oh, this is a huge sacrifice, and they dragged me kicking and screaming. No, I like it. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> right. And what I, what I like about politics is not every day, not every week, not even every month, but every now and then, you can, you can, you can hit it a good lick and, and, and move that, that ship of government a little bit in the direction that you think it ought to be going. Yeah. And that's what I consider victory. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I like about government. I also like policy. If you like policy, there's no better place to be than the Senate or in government. And number three, I hate being bored, Josh. <laughs> in the job. Senate, you know, you have good days, you have bad days. You never have a, a boring day. Right, right. You know? That's true. And, and, and you don't. And, um, and, and they're just interesting people, you know? You don't have to be crazy to serve in the Senate because they will happily train you. <laughs> and, the, and the Senate works when we're not all crazy at the same time. You know what I mean? But it you works. Go in, go in waves? Like different, different yes. people? Yeah, okay. yes. But, it, but it's this collection of really smart, interesting people, all of whom care about America, but we, we, we share common goals. We just disagree on how to get there. And it works. And that's why I hope, uh, I hope President Biden will leave the filibuster alone. I don't want to get us off on another topic, but he needs to leave the Senate like it is, Yeah. Um, in my opinion. Yep. No, here, here. Absolutely. Listen. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, we've enjoyed this immensely. I know that all of the listeners of this are going to just love this interview. And you got a line. Can you hear my dogs in the background? No, you got dogs back there? Yeah, they're in the bedroom. They're howling. Would you like one? You can have one if you want. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm up to my eyeballs and problems. I don't need another one. But I understand. Thanks for having me, John. You got it, Senator Kennedy. Take care. Have a great day. Okay, man. If you change your mind about the dog, call me. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for doing this. Okay, man. So of all of the people that we've talked to, he's just so... I mean, that is pretty rad. He's so easy to talk to. I could have yeah. spent three hours talking to this guy. We had to... I promised his comms people that we would keep it... Like we'd have a time allotted. And I was so disappointed. I got to the... I looked at the clock towards the end of the interview and I'm like, oh! Oh, I wish we had like another 30 minutes. Cause he was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, as soon as, you know, travel opens back up, everyone's got their vaccines and such. I'm trying to get down to Louisiana because I don't think there'd be a finer uh, tour guide of like new Orleans than Senator Kennedy. I mean, can you imagine that? What if Kennedy, what if Kennedy would do a, uh, a ruthless live in, in new Orleans? We sh we should do that. That should be, that should, that should happen for sure. Because I've been to New Orleans. Let me tell you, that is a wonderful town. The restaurants are amazing. I mean, I had I had uh, like grilled alligator. Anything you can conceive of, they will cook it in Louisiana, and it will be delicious. And lovely, I mean, we should get Senator Kennedy on that. Lovely representation as well. We appreciate Senator Kennedy and and all that he's doing and the lighter side that he brings to politics. Listen, Smug, this has been a hell of an episode. Yeah, right. It's been good. We've been on a run that, you know, the numbers are great. We appreciate all our listeners so much. Clearly everyone's been telling their friends and family to tune in and subscribe. Uh, you know, the numbers keep going up and that's because of you folks. Thank you so much. Uh, so until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line and own the libs. 
We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>